from the Credit Union National Association. This is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people, credit union ideas. Jen Groover has been tagged a one-woman brand by Success Magazine and a creativity and innovation guru and serial entrepreneur by Entrepreneur Magazine. In this episode of the CUNA News Podcast, Groover discusses the importance of emotional intelligence in the workplace. She says emotional intelligence is almost like oxygen. It's so important we often don't even think about it. Groover also offers advice on how credit unions can create a work environment conducive to open interaction, understanding, and happiness. This, she says, ultimately makes organizations and their people more productive and dynamic. Groover recently addressed the CUNA HR and Organizational Development Council Conference in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Jen, can you tell us uh, just what is emotional intelligence? Emotional intelligence is essentially the heightened sense of self-awareness, where you become really mindful of the thoughts you're thinking, the words you're choosing, the lifestyle habits you're having, like what you're eating and how you're sleeping and hydrating and who you're surrounding yourself with, because you recognize that all of these things contribute to your emotional state. And so when you become more emotionally intelligent, you will essentially make better life choices uh, and and understand the different choices that you're making and how they're affecting you, where people who are not emotionally intelligent don't ever make those connections. And emotional intelligence is also the heightened sense of awareness of others. So you don't just master your own life. You become better at mastering communication and navigating relationships with other people. So I always joke, as you become more emotionally intelligent, you become like Yoda to your own life and a Jedi to everybody else's. <laughs> that's a great analogy. That's, that's a great analogy and one, one that a lot of people can identify with. Um, and kind of to build on that, can you, can you tell us why, why it's so important in the workplace? Well, when someone is emotionally intelligent, as I mentioned, they make better life choices. And so you have more high-thriving people in a workplace. So they're, you know, are going to get along better with others. They are going to be more collaborative, more strategic, because they're going to be more mentally clear. They're going to be healthier, so there's going to be less sick days. And you're going to have an environment that's a lot more cohesive with a lot less drama. I always challenge employers to think about how much money is wasted by drama in the workplace. And I would believe that it would be more than turnover, sickness, and divorce all combined together. And and all of those things really cause a lot of disruption in the workplace, but there's this underlying thing that's happening in most workplaces on a daily basis. And it's, you know, unfortunately... Too many adults acting like children because they just didn't have the development skills in this area of their life. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, you, you don't think about it, but that uh, all that negative energy we expend on drama, um, and as you said, if if you equate it to the to the money and the productivity that we lose, it, it really is a tremendous expense and a, a drain on our our bottom the bottom line of our companies and the quality of our products and services. 
Absolutely. And it's also wasting productivity because when someone's not emotionally intelligent, they're egocentric. And when someone's egocentric, it's usually me, me, me. And, and it doesn't, people that are me, me, me aren't really caring about the people around them, the community, so to speak. And so a lot of times they'll, they won't help their peers out, their colleagues out. They will intentionally leave somebody out of something so that they can maybe get ahead. But when someone's emotionally intelligent, they're operating with greater intentions um, and less from the ego and more from from the heart, really. And I know that's not necessarily a popular analogy in the workplace, but when we have heart-centered people, we have way healthier choices that are being made. Yeah, and and a lot of it is about context. I mean, I, I have a 14-year-old son, and... Uh, what we might be, me and him might be able to talk about in the car or at home, we can't talk about or do at work or in school. And, and that's, that's really important for both him and I to understand and kind of adhere to, isn't it? And that's something that everybody's got to understand. As you become more emotionally intelligent, you, maybe you can, you can have the same uh, conversation just in a different way, right? Sure. As I mentioned, emotional intelligence is raising the, the awareness of others as well. Uh, so you can read your situations a lot more quickly to understand how you can tee up a situation or a conversation, the language that you can use in that, uh, and, and how deep you can really go. But I will say this, and, and this is a little off topic of what you said about context, but it triggered something for me. That I believe, unfortunately, uh, we've become a little bit too, uh, having expectations that are a little bit too sterile of conversations in the workplace, meaning that, you know, when I go into companies and I talk about the importance of transparency, there's a lot of people that will push back to me and say, well, Jen, we're taught we're not allowed to talk about our, you know, personal problems in the workplace. And and I can understand that to some degree or some context, as you, as you said. But I also believe that we are, we're human beings. We're not robots. And if somebody's having a personal issue at home, it's going to affect them in the workplace, whether we like that or not. It just is because, again, we're, we're, we're human beings. And so if I was dealing with, let's, for example, if I'm a single mom, I have two kids, and I'm dealing with sick parents that I'm also caring for, and I am starting to feel really stressed, completely drained energetically, and just not being myself. If I don't say something to the people in the workplace with transparency, then all of a sudden they're going to be like, oh, what is wrong with Jen? She's, just, she's not here. She's making all these mistakes. She's always miserable. And then it's going to actually create an issue or a fraction against me with other people ganging up against me in the workplace. Versus if I was just transparent and said, hey, guys, I am so sorry if I don't seem like myself. I'm dealing with my sick parents at home, and I have my two kids, so I'm trying to bring three different sports, and I am just feeling completely drained, and I am sorry if I come off irritable, and I am sorry if I come off, you know, that I'm forgetting things. Please just bear with me. And then all of a sudden, you have a completely different result where you have the empathetic coworkers surrounding and supporting that person, cooking them dinners even, helping them out. And so 
you know, I, I feel that we need to get back to a human place, a little bit more of a human place in the work environment where emotional intelligence really allows us to do that, where obviously um, conversations like that are really helpful in creating a better culture. So it's important, it's important for the workplace to kind of promote that culture and create it organically, I guess, would be one way to put it. Yes. To, to that end, what are some barriers that kind of prevent us from developing emotional intelligence in our lives? First in our lives, let's start there. Honestly, it's just not knowing what you don't know, right? Um, emotional intelligence, everybody can learn to be more emotionally intelligent. It is an expansive skill set. Everyone has a different capacity at their starting mark, but it's never-ending in its possible expansion. The potential is endless. And so if I had a really challenging childhood and I had a lot of trauma, I might be very emotionally closed off, and my capacity of love and forgiveness and understanding might be limited. It doesn't mean it needs to stay there. It just means at that moment until I change my perceptions and I learn new skill sets, that I'm going to be limited in those capacities. I believe that we are all born emotionally intelligent. As, as babies, we come into this world with pure love and joy, and we have these basic needs of being, you know, fed and, and, and to sleep. And, and, and then all of a sudden, as the adults are, are around us, they project their fears, their judgments, their biases, their, their pain on that new baby who came in with pure love. And, and the more people are subjected to trauma or are living in environments that don't have people that are educated in these personal development skills, the less emotionally intelligent somebody is. And so, um, but everyone can learn and, and, and people just don't know what they don't know. And, and also sometimes, and I find this one, you know, somewhat funny because it happens all the time. Another thing that holds people back is that they think that they're more emotionally intelligent than they really are. And so when I talk about these skill sets, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm totally emotionally intelligent. Next thing you know, they're yelling at their homework, they're yelling at, you know, someone in, in a car in traffic. And I laugh and I'm like, that's not emotionally intelligent. And these life experiences are the greatest test of somebody's emotional intelligence. But everyone can learn it. But most people show up with limited tools in the toolbox. And so, and, and the tools all represent different skill sets under this emotional intelligence umbrella. And so if I show up with limited skill sets in this area, I am not going to function as well or as, as compatibly with other people who have it. People who are, are lacking these skill sets are usually pointing fingers at everybody else, making everything else everything everyone else's fault. They're not getting along with people. They're uh, not uh, trusting of people. They're, they're operating from a place of fear. And so as you give people more tools in their toolbox and, and teach them these skill sets, they become more capable of handling challenging situations, conversations that could be uh, of high conflict. They can navigate a lot with a lot less friction. And they are way more aware of the, the 
self-limiting beliefs that they have, as well as the self-sabotaging behaviors that they have. And when we don't, when we're not self-aware, which emotional intelligence is all about self-awareness, when we're not self-aware, we will constantly self-sabotage and we will constantly limit our potential based on our limited beliefs. And most people are running around the world operating from these limited beliefs that they don't even know exist. So emotional intelligence like opens you up to explore all these things. It's you know high introspection and high reflection. But you know, going back to the toolbox, I use the example of, you know, if you tell somebody to build a house and you only give them uh, a hammer, which is somewhat broken, and some plywood and nails, their house isn't going to be that great. But if you give them a saw, it's going to get better. And if you give them you know, a, a power, all these power tools, it's going to be a better house. The foundation, the product is going to be better. And that's the same for who we are as people. Uh, and, and unfortunately, most people are trying to build these houses with, you know, the hammer and the nail. And, and they're lacking all these other tools that people have overlooked for way too long. I believe it is the foundation and fundamental skill sets for all success. So what are some of the tools that a workplace can help provide employees to build that foundation? It's really just about teaching personal development, emotional intelligence, nutrition on an ongoing basis. And I say nutrition is really, to me, part of the emotional intelligence program that I do. Uh, A lot of my colleagues don't include it, which is really actually very silly to me because one of the fastest ways I can become emotionally unintelligent is to get hungry, right? (laughs) We all know what it feels like to be hangry. Yes, that was, that's the term I thought of. Yes. And so when we're not teaching proper nutrition or if I eat, you know, a bowl full of pasta at lunchtime, I'm going to be exhausted, mentally withdrawn and, and unclear, probably moody because once that chemical reaction happens where my blood sugar goes up, and then comes down, I am not as emotionally intelligent as I was prior to that chemical reaction. And a lot of people never make these productions. So what companies really should be doing, in my opinion, and through all my experience of incredible results, is teaching emotional intelligence on an ongoing basis. And the reason I say an ongoing basis is because it's it's an ongoing learning process that you keep getting deeper and deeper. Remember, I said it's, it's all expansive. So as you start to change your perspectives, you become better at mastering multiple perspectives. You become better at navigating uncomfortable situations, but it's always a work in progress, and you just get to different levels of mastery in it. But just when you think you got it all, Life will give you a, a challenge to to show you that you didn't get it all. And and so, you know, some companies have said to me, hey, Jen, yeah, we teach this. And I said, well, tell me about the course. One of the companies was a nine-minute <laughs> online course about emotional intelligence. And then people, like, checked it off the list. And I said, that's impossible. You can't even get through the vocabulary of emotional intelligence in nine minutes, let alone to make people think that they just learned emotional intelligence. Is, is actually not even possible. So it is an ongoing thing that uh, I believe should should be, a, you know, a, an ongoing program that people are learning, you know, maybe quarterly somebody coming in and, and teaching, as well as having, you know, ongoing 
experiences, team building experiences in each environment. One of the things that I notice the most is when I teach uh, in different workplaces this type of curriculum, there's always a couple alpha personalities that will continue to man the environment, so to speak. So when I teach the drama-free zone or when I teach about how eating healthier increases your performance and increases your emotional mental state, those alpha personalities will kind of police in a good way uh, the environment so that it stays sustained. So when I come back, I'm, I'm not starting over again. I'm building on what I already built. But uh, a lot of companies do it as, an, as a uh, biweekly course. You know, I, I'm teaching a lot of companies once a week where uh, it's, it's just part of their schedule. Once a week at, at lunchtime, they have this, this meeting with me. And so uh, I believe though they, the people that are doing it more frequently are getting greater results. Their revenue is increasing. Their, their turnover is decreasing. Their sick days are decreasing. And their, their workplace fulfillment is massively increased where people are excited to go to work instead of dreading it every day. And what are they teaching during those sessions? Well, I started talking about nutrition. To me, I always start teaching with your physiological state is the thing that you have most control over. And your physiological state maximizes your mental and emotional state. So teaching people from the foundation of, of this curriculum, things like sleep is really important. And eight hours of sleep, seven to eight hours of sleep is, is what's most recommended for, for most people. Everyone does have a little bit of a difference, but so many people dis credit or undervalue sleep and how it actually helps their mental and emotional state. Or a lot of people will say, Jen, I'm a horrible sleeper. So I'll teach them how to create better sleep environment so that they're getting better night's rest. And instantly you'll see them be more alive and thriving. Another thing is hydration. We are one of the most dehydrated societies. And when you're dehydrated, your energy is down, which means your emotional state is down. And a lot of people will say they get headaches all the time. And the truth is they're getting headaches because they're dehydrated. So, you know, if we have a headache, we're obviously not going to be as emotionally intelligent because we're, we're in pain. So teaching people about things like the importance of sleep, the value of sleep, how to get better sleep, how to hydrate, and also how to eat. Most people don't realize we're conditioned our society, this diet mindset. And so people think food, gain weight, lose weight. The truth is food is a chemical reaction that's happening to your body all day, every day, that is directly affecting your emotional state. There's certain healthy foods like avocado and salads that you could eat at lunch and feel really good. And then there's other foods that are more simple carbohydrates that if you eat, you're going to feel horrible. And so it's not just about are you going to gain weight or lose weight. It's how are you going to feel and what's your emotional state when you're done. So most people feel depressed after they eat certain meals and they don't even realize that they just did that to themselves. And so obviously if someone's feeling depressed after they eat a big bowl of pasta, they're not contributing to the environment as much. They're not as mentally clear. They're not as productive. And and sugar being the biggest culprit, uh, sugar is one of the worst things that people could be eating. And so I said, well, you can eat it when you're home, but if you want to be a high thriver in your work environment, you want to be productive, 
just don't eat it because it will, it's it, the chemical reaction and neuroscience proves all of this now. The chemical reaction literally numbs your brain, which is why a lot of people become addicted to it. And then chemically altered, and therefore you become less happy. And so people get an initial surge, but then they're feeling worse. So one of the first things I always teach are all those things that are in our control that we are making choices all time, all day, every day, and not even realizing that they're making us moody and miserable and unhappy and tired and mentally unclear. And then I'll build on that foundation teaching people more about the power of perspective. You know, there's nothing in our control in this world but our perspective. That's the only thing that's really in our control is our perspective. What people are doing to us is out of our control. What's happening in the world around us is out of our control. But if we know that we can control our perspective of how we choose to see each situation, we are now very much empowered. So we don't feel emotionally as a victim we feel emotionally in control. And so really teaching that power of perspective and then also the power of intention, uh, helping people to learn how to become more clear as to what they want to get out of things, uh, whether interactions with a client or a customer, uh, w- whether it's interactions with their boss. Getting more clear into your intention helps you feel more in control, again, which makes you feel more emotionally stable. When people feel out of control, we've all seen these people, when they feel out of control, their emotional state is very frenetic. Um, And so teaching uh, the intention of what you want and then also teaching people how to articulate those expectations to other people uh, is very important as well. So as, as we build upon the physiological state, then we start to give people a sense of control, that you're in control of the life that you're creating. And here's all the ways that you can control it. And then building upon that, we'll start to go into more about interpersonal skills, taking those fundamental lessons about perspective and intention and expectations, and then teaching people how to interact and navigate with other people around those circumstances and how to have experiences or conversations that might have been high conflict uh, and, and diminishing the conflict around that because you're able to, uh, you're able to stabilize a, and neutralize a situation more quickly. So one of the things that most people do in our society is an example of this. Most people, when something's going wrong, they blame someone else. And then they attack the other person, like, you did this and you did that. And, and that does nothing. That, that it does no good for anybody. It makes the other person feel under attack and shut down. And then it leaves the other person just screaming at somebody or blaming somebody and, and nothing's being accomplished. So as we teach emotional intelligence, your goal is not to be right, but it's to understand others. And the more you approach each person and situation with the desire to understand versus be right, the more you're going to get out of the situation, the more whatever it is that you want, you'll actually get. And so we teach people how to change their dialogue when speaking with others to more about if a situation happens, I feel this way, which is taking responsibility for your feelings because they're no one else's or yours based on my perception of this, so now you're also taking 
responsibility that that's your perception. It doesn't mean it's the truth. It's just your perception. Most people think their perception is the truth, when in reality, it's just their perception. And so then you say, I, I, I feel this way based on my perception. Please show me your point of view. Please help me understand where you're coming from. And that changes the tiny dynamic with all human interaction. Is there a way we can hire people with emotional intelligence? Yeah, well, I find that the easiest way to identify people with emotional intelligence is ask open-ended questions about how they would handle something. And and in asking them how they would handle something, you can quickly tell if the person's reflective or reactive. And reactive people are typically not emotionally intelligent. And reactive people are usually operating from a place of being right and not thinking things through. Where emotionally intelligent people will always assess situations from multiple perspectives, and they will acknowledge that each perspective could be right. And then they'll think through uh, how they're going to handle it before they actually handle it. So for me, I can quickly tell by... Uh, giving people open-ended questions. I ask about their lifestyle habits. If they have poor lifestyle habits, they're usually not emotionally intelligent because emotionally intelligent people don't have, typically, they might have one or two things that they do wrong, like uh, not wrong, but are on top of. So for me, I know that French vanilla creamer in my coffee in the morning is not the best thing that I could do, but that's like my one vice, right? So I'm aware that that's my one vice. So I'll ask lifestyle habit choices, you know, the importance of sleep or, you know, understanding the quality of, of your nutrition and how it affects your productivity. And uh, these types of things, usually people that are active are more emotionally intelligent. So there's a lot of ways you can ask, you can gauge someone's emotional intelligence by assessing their lifestyle behaviors. And a lot of this speak, kind of speaks to... Um, something that's also important in the workplace, and that, that's collaboration. Absolutely. Collaboration is one of the best results that you can get from creating a, an emotionally intelligent environment. Uh, and collaboration accelerates success. It accelerates innovation. It uh, creates a healthier, more spontaneous, innovative environment where people feel a lot more fulfilled. It's really funny. There's... One insurance company I was working with that their one of their divisions is an innovation division, and the leader in the innovation division understands the importance of emotional intelligence. And everyone in this innovation division loves, absolutely loves their job. They love what they're doing. They love collaborating with everyone. It's a very collaborative environment. And they were evaluated by, you know, the, the head top of, of the, the company. And they were actually told, which was so fascinating to me, they were actually told that they didn't think that they're working hard enough because no one was stressed out. Which <laughs> was so ludicrous to me because stress equals disease. Stress equals sickness. Stress equals lack of fulfillment. So you don't want people in your work environment stressed out. And they actually believed 
that there was a direct correlation between them enjoying their job and and that that means they're not working hard enough. And, and this is one of the key problems. That mindset is a, a huge problem in our society. If, if if someone really believes that stress means it's good, you're being productive, then that's, what's, that's absolutely what's wrong with work environment that needs to change. Emotional intelligence is really about helping people expand their potential. And most people think, I'm going to go to get good grades in high school and then go to college, and now I've maximized my potential. Yes. And potential is ever-expansive in all aspects of our lives. And emotional, the more people become emotionally intelligent, the more they will expand their potential. It's a direct correlation. Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play.